I'm telling you right now. Get yourself a piece of paper, open up your Evernote, your notes app, whatever device or mechanism upon which you use to capture your thoughts and be prepared to take note. Some good information here. Welcome to the podcast. This is Teach, Hustle, Inspire, the podcast that's all about ways to help you absolutely flourish in the classroom. Teach, unlock intellectual treasure. Hustle, can't stop learning, won't stop learning. Inspire, spread love and light. Greetings and salutations. I am your host, Dr. Sean Woodley, and welcome to episode three of Teach, Hustle, Inspire. Formerly known as the Urban and Educating Podcast, this is the weekly educators podcast that brings you the best classroom management, student engagement, and educator lifestyle strategies helping you live your best life as a game-changing educator. If you've ever stepped foot in any sort of classroom, you know that... Building relationships with students is extremely important, but it can be very, very difficult. A lot hinders on the relationship that you have with your students from their performance inside and outside of the classroom. And you know that those students with which you build those great relationships, it really makes your job a lot easier. I have a dynamic educator here, award-winning educator, Ms. Lauren Watler. She walks us through a program called The Power of Three to Eight, literally from the bottom up, every single step that you need in order to implement this program and truly build dynamic relationships with your students that translates to high-flying academic success in the classroom. Lauren is truly an educator that has made an impact, recently being awarded the Pillar of Vision Award. She's a lifelong educator that is truly a servant of the people and her students. What she's done has made a difference in a lot of places for a lot of children, and she is out here making some strong moves, as she'll tell you. Uh, this is this is how Lauren's story began. Master Educator, Miss Lauren Watler. Lauren, how you doing today? I'm great. No complaints at all. <laughs> wonderful, wonderful. And and for those of you that uh, are not familiar with Lauren, she goes by in, in these streets by BK. Is that correct, Lauren? Yes. Uh, yes. Well, well, tell, 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 tell them why. Tell them why you go by BK. Well, um, I'm from Brooklyn, New York, born and raised. Uh-huh. Went to college in ha- at Hampton University. I'm sorry. What school? Hampton University. Oh, okay. I, I heard that's a good school. That's a, it's a phenomenal, <laughs> transformational. Absolutely. Um, yeah, I went to Hampton University and I went to a summer program called, um, I went to a summer program and basically everyone in the summer program d- definitely called me BK because mm-hmm. I was from Brooklyn and I didn't realize how New York I was until people from other places <laughs> said that, right? Um, so that's why I stuck with me. I thought I was going to lose it, but it stuck. Which is good. <laughs> it is. It's, it's a beautiful mm-hmm. thing. And that, that's who you are. And and speaking of that, going back to at, at maybe even late high school or as you matriculated, as we like to use through college, did, did you go to Hampton as an education major? I did not. I actually did not. I was I was a sociology major. Actually, in the beginning, I was a journalism major. Mm-hmm. Took a course in sociology. You know, your freshman and sophomore year, you kind of take every area coursework. Fell in love with a sociology class with Dr. Benjamin, and I said, I'm going to change my major. Mm-hmm. And once I changed my major, I realized there was a big gap between race, class, and gender. Mm. Um, so 
I knew when I graduated from Hampton that I was either going to, um, I was definitely going to help children. Um, so I basically applied to this teaching program, which is an alternative program called Teach for America. Okay. And I got into Teach for America on the first deadline. Actually, myself and a couple other people applied at the same time and got, got in, which was a blessing. And at that time, they were asking more people to go to New Orleans mm-hmm. because it was a shortage of teachers because of Hurricane Katrina. Right. I'd never been, I'm a Brooklyn girl, I'd never been <laughs> past Florida, right, to go to Disney Disney World, right? So I was like, you know what, I'm going to go. I want to go where I'm going to make the biggest impact. I had never visited at all till I moved there. And to this day, New Orleans is like my best place, not just in the United States, my best place in the world. I love New Orleans. Wow. Wow. Look at that. And, and, and you stumbled upon that just by, by it. And I, wanna, I don't want to say happenstance, but it definitely wasn't in the plan, though. It wasn't in the plan, but God works things out. And what's for you is for you. Like That's I got it. in, you know, I could have easily been up north to be close by my family. Mm-hmm. But now I have a new family in New Orleans. So I can go back anytime and visit my students uh-huh. and pop them at their jobs or stop by a restaurant or go meet their parents. Wow. The love is, is real. And so what age or what grade did you teach when you went in New Orleans? I taught grade five or subjects. Mm -hmm. And so with that teaching experience, that was your first step into the classroom. So what were your like just in, in the beginning phases of it? What was it like for you as a new educator who did not study education in the classroom? Well, teaching is experiential meaning like you have to just do it mm-hmm. read about it you can talk about it it's, it always fathoms me when people talk about being in education and never taught before mm-hmm. um it's something that you just have to do and even though i felt teach for america prepared me i felt that my biggest bang for my buck was actually doing the doing that's it and like basically like people say being in the trenches like really being in the trenches with mm-hmm. my kids mm-hmm. knowing that no matter what i go through personally I have to make sure that I'm on point because my actions really impact student actions, right? So like whatever I'm going through or my family's going through, I literally pray before I walk in a building and make sure that I walk in with a growth mindset because mm-hmm. I have to make sure that I motivate my kids on a daily. That's that's and that's mm-hmm. so powerful. What, what you know about that growth mindset? Have you read the book? On growth mindset. Yes, yes. Well, Tell them about education. it. Absolutely. <laughs> and it's and Absolutely. it's it's so it's that that was so eye opening to me. A lot of it, I guess, it can seems like it can seem almost common sense, but not really. But then when you really think about the way some of those concepts are broken down, particularly mm-hmm. with how you can apply it in a classroom, mm-hmm. it was it was an amazing experience for me reading that book and then actually taking some of those things and applying it to my everyday life, first of all, I but then especially in my teaching. Ooh, transformational. It's real. It's real. It's real life. Like literally the first week of school, you know how you set up your classroom and your routines and mm-hmm. your expectations and all that. I literally do a little uh, mini series on a growth mindset. Wow. And like I set my classroom up with that. If they know it, if they if they know anything, they know growth mindset by the end of that first week. Wow. And knowing that we're not going to look at the whatever we go through as like the cup half empty, but mm-hmm. truly look at it as full and know like 
no matter what cards we're dealt, whatever life chances we have, we still can succeed no matter what. That's it. And and you plant that seed early in the kid's mind that that they can do something. That's it. I give them a dap. I give them a hug. I show them love because we think that we know, but sometimes we have no clue. We have no clue. Honest. That's real honest. That's real honest. Mm-hmm. Stanford University professor Dr. Carol Dweck has an excellent book that if you have not heard of it, please do yourself a favor and take a look at this. It's called Growth Mindset. And basically in the book, she talks about how like a mindset is an established set of attitudes held by someone. But as it turns out, that set of attitudes doesn't need to be anything so set and steadfast. Dr. Dweck poses that everyone has either a fixed mindset or a growth mindset. And what she means by that is fixed mindset is one where your view, view your talents and abilities as, as something that's fixed, that can't be changed. In other words, you are who you are. Your intelligence is where it is. You can't get any smarter. You can't grow your talents. And you go through life pretty much avoiding challenge or failure. Growth mindset, on the other hand, is one in which you see yourself as fluid, a work in progress. Your fate is one of growth and opportunity. And imagine teaching your students this growth mindset and really ingraining what they have the possibility to do from the outset and what kind of change that could have for them throughout the year. If your children believed that they can learn and that they can increase their talents and that they can achieve more, what kind of difference would that make? I'll have a link to the book in the show notes, but do yourself a favor and and, and you, you need to get on this. So now I understand that you have in your growing experiences as an educator, you've learned the power of three to eight. Now we're going to get into that in a second, but... Tell me very briefly what the power of three to eight is, just briefly. Okay. Power of three to eight is that as educators, we usually teach from eight to three, but the real teaching happens from three to eight. Mm. Powerful. Now do this for me. Before you understood and started to implement the power of three to eight and taking advantage of that time after or outside of the classroom, if you will, what was it like before that? Um, I felt like I always stayed after school, mm-hmm. but it's different when you have kids stay with you because you you actually meet them where they are. They're like little humans for real. <laughs> you get to like no, like seriously, because yeah. in the classroom is so serious. We have a like opportunity to put our guards down and just know each other as people because kids think that we're this. This factor, they don't really understand it's outside of the classroom. Mm -hmm. Um, And the real teaching does happen from three to eight. When we build those relationships, that three to eight is going to impact that that eight to three. It has a direct impact, direct correlation of how kids interact with you during school hours. Mm -hmm. And so in that time before you started to recognize that that the power of building those relationships was what was your experience like? Was it more difficult? Did you find it uh, a challenge to get through to students before you started taking advantage of that? 
Mm, I feel like I'm, I feel like teaching truly is my gift. Like you'll mm-hmm. hear people say like, how do you pick good teachers? And like, you pick good people, good teachers are good people, right? Like they don't think about themselves. They have like their selfless. They're trying to make sure that they're, you know, gaining some type of professional development, person development on their own right. because they know that, you know, like even when you call me master educator, I don't even consider myself that. Mm-hmm. That's I'm still learning. Yes. I've been in education for 10 years and I'm still learning. Absolutely. It's, it's, uh, I was just speaking with someone in the last episode, uh, a, a good brother of mine, Jason McNeil, and he, mm-hmm. he said it, he said it best. It's, we're lifelong learners as, Absolutely. as human beings. First of all, we, we should be because the moment you stop learning is the moment that you really stop growing. You know, Absolutely. you can, you can get older, but not grow. Absolutely. But, My kids say all the time, like, Miss, you know, I teach them about college, but beyond college, right? Mm-hmm. Like, Miss, you have three degrees, like, oh my gosh. And, you know, it's like, no, I, I'm, even if I don't go to school uh, to get a PhD, right? Like, mm-hmm. no matter what, I'm still going to take the next class. I'm still going to see if I can see some online resources because I want to be my best self. Right. Like, my best self is going to impact the best students. That's it. That's it. Yeah. That's it. Lifelong learning in the classroom is is critical because there's something that's that you there's always something that you don't know and and something that you can use in the classroom to benefit you and or your students to be better people. Absolutely. Absolutely. So even like the question was like, do I did I do that before? I Mm -hmm. did it before, but I did it like I'm just doing it. I might keep these two kids after to help me file papers or but then the extracurricular, you know, so many people go to work and leave, but people don't realize being that coach or being that STEM coordinator mm-hmm. or being that step master or, you know, teaching in, um, inviting kids to chorus or these extracurricular activities really, really allows you to see kids in another light. These children are so talented. Yes. They're so talented. We, you know, we confine them to these seats in the classroom and, sure. you know, it's cause it's pressure on us at times. It's pressure on us. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, However, the true growth is when kids are involved in the extracurricular that like builds character and build like that character makes you a better student. So what you're saying is you were kind of inadvertently using it uh, and staying after school here or there with some students and building the relationships. But once you learned to understand the power of the three to eight and you consciously did it, then what were what were some of the changes that you saw as a result of that? Um, I I really felt like not like teaching teaching is tri- is, is it, I always call it the uh, power like the triangle. Mm-hmm. It's about the student, the parent, and the teacher. Mm-hmm. And I feel like kids always loved me. I love them, right? They know that organically. I I just love them as people, like care for them. But parents started to become invested in me, and that's what really matters, right? Like I can. I can literally call a parent and they got my back because mm-hmm. they know I don't reach out to them often mm-hmm. and they know I'm with their kids after school. They know they can call me or text me or email me. And, um, like the, the, the door's open since it's not a club. You can actually come to my classroom anytime. You well, any parent is welcomed anytime. Mm-hmm. Um, so I felt like that, that was impacted. And you know, when kids can love you, parents can hear about you, but if they don't know you personally, then what? It's still a piece of the trying still a line segment missing. Gotcha. Right. Like, mm-hmm. So I feel that's what really helped that I could call a parent. Miss, listen, I'm going to do this for the kids. Can you help me out? No problem. Built that relationship with them. So many people think it's just the student, but no, like true, true teaching starts at home. It does. Even if you think they have it or if they don't have it, parents are involved. People, parents want what's best for their children. Mm-hmm. Ultimately. 
even if we don't think that we see it or it doesn't look the way we want it to look. And and you know what? That's yeah. I want my child that. Yeah. <laughs> and and that I think that's so critical what you mentioned about even even if we don't see it or if it's not presented it the way the that way we, we think we yeah. That's that's critical to keep because I, I had to do some some self reflection a few times with that because there were things that maybe I would not have done and I had to tell myself just because you didn't do it that way, you wouldn't do it that way doesn't mean it's wrong. Absolutely, you gave yourself a little self coach. That's it. That is mm-hmm. it right there. We're so always in our heads. Yeah. Yes. Yes. And and again, that's 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 that growth. That's that lifelong learning right there in yes. action. Reflective, reflective teaching. Yep. The potential of a program that uses the power of three to eight can be magnanimous, to say the least. But it does sound like a lot. Asking somebody, yeah, I want you to stay after school from three to eight, work an extra five hours on everything else that you already do is doing the most. We all know that. And I asked her, I said, you got to help me with this. Are you suggesting, are you telling me right now that you're staying after school every day from three to eight with your students? And she said, no, she said, definitely not. This is how she did it. I always tell, um, even when I coach teachers or um, new new students involved in education, my student teachers, you can't do anything by yourself. Mm-hmm. So the first thing that I would do is actually get my grade level on board. Okay. Um, because it doesn't have to be draining, right? So people think three to eight. I'm not really saying be at school from three to eight. I'm saying on Monday, have STEM club. I'm saying on Tuesday, have dance. I'm saying on Wednesday, have step, right? Mm-hmm. So literally every person, every man on the team could, could truly have Got whatever it. their expertise is and man that for that day. Got so it. it's not talking to you. Mm-hmm. And it builds anticipation. Kids start to want to, man, I can't wait till Monday. Like mm-hmm. their weekend might have been a uh, uh, blur, right? But then on Monday, kids are dragging. They're trying to get back in momentum. But they're looking forward to that Monday after after school program. Got whatever it. Whatever you have set. So that's the first thing I would do is um, truly, truly build investment on my grade level team. Mm-hmm. I would secondly, find out what their strengths and um, gifts are outside of the classroom. Mm-hmm. And then thirdly, set up a schedule. Once I set up a schedule, then I go to administration because administrators have so much going on. Sure. You can't go with an idea. You got to yeah. come with a game Cold plan. Hard facts and say, this is, this is what it is. Can, can I go? <laughs> Here's the layout. Monday, I got this. Tuesday, Anthony got this. Wednesday, Cambria has this. This person has that. So you already have it all planned out. It's, it's worse going to a, you, you go into a fight and you don't, you don't have all your resources to even win. So sure. my thing is, Administrators have enough on their plate. I want to. You ha- we have to make it as simplistic as possible. And the way you make it simple is building investment in your team, and you and your team collectively coming out, coming up with the plan. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't look like you're. Old. Some people don't want a dictator, right? They don't want that. They want to feel like they're a part of something. So once you build that, they feel like they're a part, and they're coming up with the plan together. Then collectively, we can go to admin and and and, and then truly make it happen. Love it. I love it. You're dropping some jewels right here. That's uh, that's that's really valuable, and I think that speaks that that collaboration. You you're so much stronger when you're you're a united front 
and everyone's on the same page with their goals. And I think that's so powerful. And and I like the idea that you mentioned about putting everything down on paper and coming with the cold, hard facts saying that this is what we're going to do. We're going to implement X, Y, and Z. Am I, am I good to go? Can can you sign off? That's it. At the end, at the end of the meeting, we come up with the plan. We type it up. We email it prior to the meeting with the, with the administration. Mm -hmm. So they looked over it. And basically by the time we had a meeting, it's a goal. That's it. That's it. And admin is not going to say no if you have a plan and you have supports and systems in place. All they want to know is a minute by minute who's going to be there. Are kids going to be safe? Mm-hmm. Are, do our kids have? Is it this? Is this going to impact student achievement? If it's a yes, then it's a go. But you can't come in with fifty million ideas mm-hmm. with no game plan. That's real. It's a failure. Now let me ask: Does something like this involve any sort of a monetary investment? Some. Sometimes it does, but sometimes it doesn't have to be right. Okay. So a lot of us always think about, man, like I've always, I've only taught in, in inner cities, right? Like mm-hmm. I've taught, I've taught in, I've taught in New Orleans. I've taught in Virginia. I teach in DC now, Washington DC. I've always taught minority populations, meaning like title one populations, mm-hmm. free, everybody's on free and reduced lunch. You know, some people live a, you know, somewhat of a decent life. Some kids are really, parents are really struggling. Right. However, when it comes to school, they should have everything they need. Right. So to me, it could involve outside resources, yes, but there's a means to anything you want. So dancing doesn't involve money. Not a It dime. might involve a snack after school, uh-huh. but it doesn't involve money, mm-hmm. right? Like you can literally pick up a dance on YouTube. Kids just want to hang out. Mm-hmm. Like it doesn't have to involve financials all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, also, there's grants for those after school snacks and all of that or getting certain parents to volunteer. It doesn't have to be so much brain power and cost all the time. Um, so it just, it's, you know, and of course as teachers, you want, you know, we don't get paid enough. So you would want some type of financial compensation, but truly it's a value and worth That's because it. you're building relationships with kids. So it does cost. Mm-hmm. It, it is worth it because it's, it's, you're taking your time, but it's all going to pay out on the end. Uh, that's, that's so true. Now, let me ask you this now, as a result, of implementing that plan and going to administration with the game plan and saying, this is what we're doing. We've come up with this as a team and you get things rolling from the three to eight with the different activities for the kids after school. And all the teachers are in all all the grade levels are, uh, I'm sorry, all the educators in the grade level may be involved in the plan and thing and things are progressing throughout the year. How does that translate to student success back in the classroom? Okay, so literally, there's many ways that we can see if it's paying off, right? Mm-hmm. So if the time is paying off, so it could be as simple as a post check, just asking a child or a parent a question, or it could be a survey, or it could be, um, you know, basically it could be um, at the end of a faculty meeting, have a brief description, um, brief discussion, five minutes of you. Have you noticed anything? Have you heard the kids mm-hmm. talking about what's going on? Mm-hmm. Teachers will feel it in the classroom, though. Like energy is important. Right. So I feel like it's something we could we could definitely have quantitative data. Right. Mm-hmm. We could definitely have qualitative data. There's ways to track that. Um, but you can really check track students progress within the academics based on formal assessments sure. or informally through, through a survey or some type of um, collective way to collect data. Sure. As well. Sure. Yeah. 
and and I'm I'm sure the intangibles are there as well, just in just in that that overall, as you mentioned before, the relationship. Now now you may have that student that whereas before they wouldn't if you noticed that something was wrong, they may not open up to you and they may not be the be able to tell you what's happening. But now you've you've built that bond outside of the eight to three, as you mentioned, and they feel closer to you. They feel like they can trust you more and that trust is probably built yes. quicker. Yes. Allowing you to reach that student. And so when there are, when they do have their bad days, because it, let, let's be honest, this all, doesn't eliminate all the problems that you're going to have. But I feel like something like this, and you correct me if I'm wrong, in these instances where you might have something that, that does jump off, you can reach that student and say, hey, let's calm it down. And, and they're more likely to be susceptible to what you have absolutely. to say as a result. I respect them. I, res- I respect them. Like, and it's crazy. I'm a teacher and I could be out in public at times and I could see a kid not act right, a, stu- a child not act right, but I'm usually more than likely not going to address them. Mm-hmm. I don't have a relationship with them. Right. Relationship with kids, they feel as though they trust you. Then you could pull them to the side, give them that look, and they know, they that know. Look. That, that look. That look. Everybody <laughs> got their teacher look. I can give a kid a look and they know, listen, Miss Wattler's not playing. Listen, we're serious. We don't have time to waste. I mean, sometimes I don't even have to check a kid. The kids check each other. That's it. And they want to learn. That's that's when you know. Yes, that's when you know right there. When you have so you someone it. check an, uh, a kid, check another kid, right? Yes. That's, that's it. Mm-hmm. That yeah. is it or right there. B, I noticed too, like sometimes teachers, we want to do all they're doing. It could mm-hmm. be as simple as, listen, I talked to one kid. Listen, I want you to at, at, the, at lunch today. I want you to bring this up. And then I want you to report back to me on what the ch- what everybody said. Mm-hmm. Man, how, how was step team after school? Cool. How STEM after school? And then get that feedback right from that child. That child's having just a basic conversation with their peers at lunch. Or it could be as simple as me sitting. I used to eat lunch with a bunch of kids every day, like different kids. Mm-hmm. Um, especially in the beginning when we don't have um, the after school programs to get everything in, in, into play. Um, I would sit with them at lunch to pick their heads and see what they want and see what they like. That's student engagement all the way. All the way. And it's inside and, as you mentioned, outside of the classroom. And it's it's so beneficial. I I really appreciate you sharing that because I I know that's going to provide some great value to the listeners. So, So thank you for sharing those words. No problem. So now transitioning to outside of the classroom, how does BK balance work life? And I know with the three to eight, that technically it adds to your day, even if you may not be there every day after school, but it does add and that can be taxing on you just as a human being. So what do you do to balance the eight to three, then the three to eight, so forth and so on? Um, I'm gonna be honest. I don't have great balance. Mm. I, don't, I don't have great balance. I feel like this is my seventh year in the classroom. Mm-hmm. Someone told me early in my career, the third year, the fifth year, and the seventh year. Right? Mm-hmm. By year three, you kind of you seeing it. You by three, it's like, man, I'm starting to get this. Right? I'm starting to get it. Especially if you teach the same thing, I'm starting to get it. By five, it's like, oh, I'm feeling, I'm, I'm feeling okay. By seven, it's like, am I in education for the long haul or am I not? Okay. And I'm at this point in my life where I know this is my gift from God. Wonderful. It's 
somewhat easy, but still challenging for Absolutely. me. Absolutely. Yes. Um, you know, I wake up every morning, not like, oh, I got to go to work. Like I could do whatever at night and I'm still going to make it to work in the morning. I'm not going to not show up for my kids. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but I don't have the best balance. Um, and I'm working on it. I could say out of all my years, this is the year that I've been the most with balance. So, you know, me and my friends might go out mm-hmm. after work or I'm also involved in another organization. It's called Momentum Education. Okay. And that's basically per- personal development classes. And I'm able to serve um, on enrollment team there. So basically I help people get enrolled in these classes. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I know what it's done for me and my family. Um, cause my family's pretty much involved too. And it's based in LA, New York, Seattle, and now DC. Okay. So I actually do a lot of work with that organization. Well, so it's still teaching, right? Because it's people living their best lives and okay. we have to be trained for that. We usually take care of everybody. We don't take care of ourselves. Mm. Some education allows me and has helped me. Um, to truly fo- spend time on BK, like it's okay yes. to, to to do me, right? Right. And I don't have to be children all the time, even though I love them. Sure. I still have to, have to do me. Sure, and sure. I, I've gained that from being involved in the moments of education. So, what are some of the, I guess, the tactics, strategies that you put in place or that you've learned from momentum education to to do you? What 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 helps you to do that? Um, well, this, this, okay. So there's one thing called win-win. Mm-hmm. So basically win-win is how can I basically like, how can you win and I win at the same time? Mm-hmm. Right. There's enough abundance in the world. Like we have enough resources where I'm not trying to pull anyone down. Right. To get where I would be. So win-win, how can I, how can I, how can I benefit mm-hmm. and how can I others benefit from situations there's something else called um be do have Mm -hmm. which is a strategy who am i being to do what i want to do to have what i want Hmm. um so am i being courageous to like am i being courageous what do i need to do to be courageous to have that tangible thing that i want that i don't have got you got you Um, so it's a lot of principles in place that has truly um helped me or the power of like enrollment right so one who has mastered enrollment has mastered life and no one should be, if you're not, if you're not enrolling, someone's enrolling you. Meaning if you're not like literally helping yourself or helping others mm-hmm. be their best self, meaning enrollment, like you need support to do all things. Okay. And you're being enrolled yourself. Hmm. So Enroll that's enough. Or be enrolled. Yeah. I'm either enrolling or I'm being enrolled. Hmm. And who, like, it's like, who am I enrolling in my next big, big thing, right? Mm-hmm. Like, who am I in, in helping me start my nonprofit? Who am I enrolling to like have that re- passionate relationship that I want, right? right? Like, so that's another. So win-win, be, do, have is another principle. Enrollment is a big thing. And just support, you know? Sure. People can say no, um, but you you have to ask for stuff that you don't have or stuff that you want that other people can help you with. Sure. So many of us do, 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 but then when we need support, we say no one wants to help us. Mm-hmm. No, like you got to ask. ask. Closed mouths don't get ask. fed. That's it. Just ask. And if they say no, they say no. Mm-hmm. At least you can say man. And, and, I, and this, it seems like something simple, but I've really struggled. Why? Because I actually struggle with trust, like mm-hmm. trusting that people said that they were going to do what they said they were going to do. Sure. Sure. Um, that's all through the work of momentum education. Wow. And and when you that first principle that you mentioned about the win win that that sounds very familiar to some of the teachings of uh, the seven habits of highly effective people. Yeah. 
That's yes. definitely um, that book on my bookshelf. Talk about a game changer right there. Yes. My students know about that. So it seems like you're dropping some serious knowledge no, to your students. Yes. This is life work. This not, you know, I've taught every subject. Mm-hmm. I've taught kindergarten. I've taught fourth grade. I've taught fifth grade. Now I teach sixth grade. I've taught fifth grade writing. I've taught fifth grade all subjects. Mm-hmm. I've taught fourth grade all subjects. Looped up with my kids to fifth grade. Now I teach sixth grade science. I literally can teach anything. Right? But teaching is knowing the content is literally 25% of it. <laughs> Right. Say, that, say that one more time for the people in the back. I don't think they heard you. Teaching content. So knowing, oh, like, you know, music, like I know science, mm-hmm. like someone else knows math. That's 25% of teaching. The seven, the other 75% is building good people. <sighs> like, who are you? Mm-hmm. Like, what do you stand for? Mm-hmm. Like, do you have integrity? Like, who are you trying to be in the world? Like, what sh- what are you gonna do with this dash? Like, yes. see, like th- you were born to when you die. What's your legacy gonna be? That in, that in not between, what <laughs> are, not what your parents did. Yeah. What you gonna do? Who are you gonna inspire? Who are you gonna motivate? That's truly character building, and that's seventy five percent of teaching is the unwritten curriculum. It's things that people can't teach you. You gotta just know and go with your gut. Oh, I'm teaching this. This ain't going right. Let me just change it. Forget what my lesson plan says. I got to organically <laughs> fill the room uh-huh, uh-huh. and know that this is not working. This strategy is not working in this moment. Let me switch it. And we we can you can talk for a whole nother good grief, a whole nother podcast episode on that. Actually, I think I'm going to take a little note on that. Now, on, my, on what do you do when the lesson plan fails? <laughs> yes. What do you do when the lesson plan? You adapt. Yeah, that's it. Right? That's like, it. That's a behavioral adaptation, right? Like, man, this is not going well. What do I, what must I do to make sure I'm not going to waste the kids 90 minute block? Right. I'm going to try to get my bang for my buck. I'm going to switch it up. And what might work for one kid might not work for another kid, but I need to decide and really use my judgment um, or my level of expertise to know, man, what's going to, what's, how's this kid going to master this? Um, so, yeah, I always say that people think teaching is like so much of man. I need to memorize it. No, no. You just got to be a regular person willing to like do whatever's necessary for student achievement. So if that's take a kid, go to a kid's football game, do that. Mm-hmm. That's what everybody will know. And they'll love you even more. Sure. Well, and they get excited when they see you walking they in there excited. too. Yes. They get excited. You're like a little celebrity, <laughs> you know, like come sit with me, sit with me. That stuff, Matt. And it's, it could be an hour out of your time, which is nothing. Yeah. I, I like to tell my students, um, you know, that I, I teach currently as a professor, I teach teachers and future teachers. And I like to tell them it, it's pretty much a different way of saying exactly what you just said. A lot of people have the misconception that teaching is tactical, but it's mm-hmm. not. Teaching is relational. Yes. The moment Absolutely. you understand that and implement it is the moment that your teaching changes forever. Yeah. Those people that we care about in our lives, we have personal relationships with. That's it. That's it. That's it. People that we care and love, we we know them. They know us. So we can't expect to teach children and not know who they are and mm-hmm. not know their interests. That's right? it. Like, that's it. Wow. It's not like brain surge. It's not brain. Like, it's not brain power. Like, you either know them or you don't know them. And if you don't know them, what are you going to do to get to know them? Mm-hmm. And you're not going to know every kid the same by sure. no means. Sure. However, you're going to you should make it purposeful to like know something special. How many siblings this child has? Mm -hmm. Where do they live? What sports do they like? Do they like to dance? What kind of music? They like basic stuff. Mm -hmm. 
and and it's not like you're memorizing like you're, you're you're memorizing facts this these are things that just like with anybody else you get to know over time and Absolutely. you and and it it comes up in these conversations and then when you bring it up again it's just like oh you remembered yeah of course i remembered you're important to me Absolutely. that's it Absolutely. that's it Absolutely. kids today told me miss Marla, can you make up a kahoot which is the online mm-hmm. Um, you know about Kahoot? It's the yes. online game where you could you could create your questions. Really great for reviewing, for like formal in, like formal assessments, right? Sure. The kids like, can you make up a Kahoot about you? And I just looked at them like, that takes time. Why you, why you want me to do that? And they said, we want to. I want to see if we we remember everything about you. Yes. Yes. Because they know me. They yes. know what my dog name was, and they know where I'm from, and they know my siblings, and they know my brother plays basketball, and they know I love chicken wings, and they know <laughs> they know everything about me, which is great. It is. It is. They know me personally, and I know them. Wow. On on, on that note, I'm gonna drop the mic right there because you you just dropped some jewels that I know. I have to thank Miss Lauren Watler, aka BK, for this knowledge because I know this is gonna bless somebody. It really, really is. Relationships with our students is so important and vital to what we do, and any way with which we can enhance this is truly gonna make a difference. So thank you, BK. I appreciate you. Teach, Hustle, Inspire is hosted, designed, and produced by yours truly, Sean Woodley, Ph.D. Please share with someone, and while you're at it, hit that subscribe button so that you don't miss a single episode. And leave a review on iTunes because your opinion matters to me, and I'd love to know what you think. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Sean Woodley, spelled S-H-A-U-N-W-O-O-D-L-Y. I'm there almost every day and would love to engage with you. (laughs) Until next time. You know, research shows that we've reached the point in our schools where we can predict the academic success of a student based solely on that child's status as a minority and or being classified as socioeconomically disadvantaged. And as they struggle to help their minority or low SES students reach their full potential, many teachers suffer from high levels of stress and low levels of motivation, never truly finding a solution to help their students, inadvertently perpetuating the achievement gap. However, there is good news. There are many teachers who find success and thrive in these exact circumstances. Yes, a solution does exist. Programs designed to break down the barriers that limit our dedicated educators, allowing them to reach, motivate, and engage all of their students regardless of the challenges or circumstances. So I'm Jacqueline Jones, principal of Brentwood Elementary School of the Arts. What this workshop was able to do for my teachers was to give them specific strategies and ways that they can be creative, that they can ensure that engagement is happening, and at the same time ensure that students do not have distractions that will get in the way of their learning. For me, it was an opportunity to see where my teachers started from three years ago to where they're about to head. This year, we're moving full steam ahead, and Dr. Woodley's workshop has ensured that we have the tools and the thought patterns, the creativity, and the experience to make that happen. I am looking very forward to this year and to see what my teachers will do with this learning. Staff development and training that is proven, immediate, relevant, and most importantly, fun. Log on to seanwoodley.com slash 
PD for details on professional development opportunities for your district or school.